Everyone has different mandates and missions. However, an issue like this shows us how we can come together and work together to bring resources to these communities and, and help address the issue, at least in an immediate uh, manner. And then at the very least, bring attention to the long-term challenges that are gonna be faced and, and what we can all do about it, working in partnership. Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Our podcast. The holidays highlight the intensifying global issue of food insecurity, perhaps more than any other time of the year. Our colleagues at Esri Canada have a sister podcast that recently featured an innovative organization, Food Banks Canada, that is using data and technology to better understand and attack the problem of food insecurity. Please listen in as Richard Matern, Director of Research at Food Banks Canada, tells the story of how technology and analytics are making a difference. Food insecurity, what does it mean to you? Well, food insecurity is, uh, is a definition um, of what people actually experience on the ground when they're, when they're struggling with, with income. So food insecurity, as defined by Statistics Canada, ranges from uh, uh, marginal food insecurity, which includes you know, worrying about food, worrying about where your next meal is coming from, to moderate food insecurity, which is um, reducing the size of meals or skipping the, the compromise in the quality or quantity of food. And then all the way to severe food insecurity, which includes literally uh, missing meals altogether, and uh, in some extreme cases, not eating for an entire day. So the the way it's defined in Canada is through a list. It's an 18-item scale, um, and it really captures uh, the the extent of deprivation that many people are feeling on the ground when their income is compromised. There are many stats on the website of Food Banks Canada. And some of the stats are really alarming. I'm just quoting two here. One in eight people in Canada are food insecure. 34% of people relying on food banks are children. Those are the two that caught my eyes. What stats strike you the most and tell the story of people being hungry? Yeah, so a quick thing to the, the, there's updated food insecurity stats, which unfortunately show a higher rate of food insecurity among the Canadian population. We're now uh, over 15% of the Canadian population. So that would be uh, over one in seven. Stats that stand out to me in particular is the percentage of single uh, working age adults or single people in general without children um, who make up uh, almost half of the of the client base. And uh Big reason for that is um, many of them, if they're relying on social assistance, if they do not have, they've lost work or if they're not able to work, they're relying on, on social assistance income, provincial social assistance income, which is in many cases half or less than half of the official poverty line across Canada. So they're dealing with very high levels of deprivation. And um, what what's uh, concerning about that is it's, it's going to be a growing trend unless we do some significant changes to social policy. You mentioned this group makes up about half of mm-hmm. all of the people who are relying on food banks. What's the makeup of this group of people in our total population? In our total population, actually, that's a good question. I don't. I, I think it's it's about half of that. I'll have to double check, um, but it's vastly all overrepresented indeed. Um, another a stat that also I think that was mentioned was the, the, the number of, of single households or single parent households. Something important to note is um, female-led single parent households in particular are, are looking at upward, up, almost half or a third are food insecure. So you're dealing with 
rates of food insecurity among female-led low-income households that are almost triple the, the the national rate. So there's again a few reasons for that. There's child caring responsibilities. There's the cost of food, the cost of housing. All of these come together to strain different households in different ways. And um, you know when you have one income as opposed to two, uh, or if you're receiving social assistance rates or uh, incomes, whether it's through work or social assistance that are below. Uh, what the cost of living is as far as increases, then you're going to deal with this deprivation. You mentioned a little bit at the beginning that the uh, pandemic has changed these numbers, and now we actually have an updated stats, and it look worse than before. Mm -hmm. They look worse than before. Can you give us some more examples to give us a better picture of the magnitude of these changes? Oh, indeed. So what uh, well, I can tell you what happened on the ground. So with with the new food insecurity stats from 2020 uh, indicated that uh, there was a higher rate of food insecurity among the population than before. With uh, food banks, we see it right away. So oftentimes when you're looking at um, numbers across the country, the trends on the ground will indicate something that's probably going to be showing up in official statistics about a year or two later. And throughout the pandemic. So at the beginning of the pandemic, when the when the uh, income benefits had arose, we saw an initial dip in clients, and then it started trending back upwards when those pandemic benefits ended. Uh, throughout 2021, uh, we saw because of the continued hardship people were exp experiencing and the high unemployment rates due to pandemic-related lockdowns and so forth, uh, we saw a need uh, in some areas uh, more than double, especially in the large urban centers. So anywhere that was primarily impacted by these lockdowns and unemployment tended to see the greater need. But there was also a simmering undercurrent of need in 2021 amongst those who were not in the labor market, including people with disabilities um, and, uh, and seniors. So they, in those areas, especially in the smaller urban areas, tended to see rising costs of living affect, their, affect them. And that was a glimpse of what was to come. So now when we looked at a, we did a survey back in March and we asked people how often they went hungry in the last year. Um, and March is when inflation really came to, came to be, whether it's food inflation, housing inflation, uh, that were all these things came together uh, at the same time. Now, unemployment rates are low. However, uh, people are having a much harder time making ends meet. And we found when we asked the general Canadian population in a large scale poll we did, uh, it was almost 25% said they had to um, reduce meals or skip meals because of lack of money. And that's a very high number. So what we're seeing now is, is rates of need across the network that uh, in many cases are they're being reported that are higher than that they were reported before. We'll be re releasing our official report on the update of what's happening this year um, later in October. So stay tuned for that. But ultimately things are looking very challenging on the ground right now. You mentioned one in four people express concerns about where they're getting food and whether they'll be able to um, have enough to get mm -hmm. themselves food. So that's one in four of people that you have surveyed that are experiencing some degree of food insecurity. Or, or, or a particular aspect of it, in this case, either reducing or missing meals. Um, or going hungry, and I think it was almost almost a fifth said they had gone hungry due to lack of lack of money. So those are likely higher than what they have been before, and um, and uh, this is a big part of what we're seeing with a combination of things going on: stagnant incomes, inflation that is 
far beyond, especially with food and housing. People living with low incomes tend to pay much more of their total income on these necessities. So they'll be hit first uh, and the most once these things happen. And another notable thing too, is people with maybe higher incomes. So those who might've been seen as middle income before, they're also struggling as well, uh, based on those housing costs and the food costs and the limited incomes, especially if children um, are part of the household. With the problem being so severe and the impact being so big, what are the aspects are, is uh, Food Banks Canada looking at? Like, how are you going to start to tackle these problems? Well, Food Banks Canada has a dual mission. So uh, one aspect of the mission is a very important one is, is helping to feed people today. So we provide food and resources to the network so they can uh, help uh, assist and uh, get get people access to food right away because ultimately people need food ASAP, especially when they're hungry. So we help the, the network to do that through um, our food and fundraising initiatives and distribution and, and, and connecting them with retailers and so forth. Um, the other aspect of our mission is, is reducing the need for food banks in the first place. And that is where the policy change comes in. So that a lot of our research works towards these long-term solutions, uh, looking at illustrating the extent of the problem and uh, through our regular research reports, and also proposing very tangible, realistic solutions. And uh, we proposed in our last report five particular ones, which included, they ranged, ranged from um, updating our, our employment insurance system to, to encompass more low-wage workers, to um, working towards getting a minimum income standard for, for people who are out of the labor force, including those with disabilities, so they can have enough money to eat and pay the rent. Um, and uh, also initiatives uh, for renters. And I think uh, there's going to be an initiative announced around the boosting the Canada housing benefit. But that was a particular one, is helping renters afford a greater portion of their rent um, through, through a housing benefit. And we find that often food is sacrificed for rent. So um, those are the three key ones that we've we've mentioned last year and will likely reiterate as well this year. Where do data and analytics come in play amongst these big initiatives? Well, they definitely come into play a combination through collecting a primary data. We have an annual survey that we conduct of, of the network um, of almost 5,000 food banks across the country. We um, we collect basic information, but we also have a database uh, called Link to Feed, which provides a lot of this information on on um, on real time data on food bank clients and food bank visits uh, according to uh, region and the area that they're in. And then there's uh, also secondary or, or other data sources from Stats Canada, such as um, unemployment rates, employment rates, food insecurity data, uh, rates of uh, rates of low income in a particular area. There's numerous data sets available that we work with at various levels of geography to complement the data that we collect at a primary level. Uh, and we, we look to see if we can establish trends and um, target resources that way, as well as advocate uh, in terms of uh, when we see things by the federal electoral district level, we're able to, to take those stats and uh, highlight some of the key issues based on electoral writing. Now I want to talk about the app challenge that Esri Canada held for the Food Banks of Canada. What do you think about these apps? Anything surprising to you? The winner uh, was one regarding winter road accessibility. That is a crucial issue that brings together numerous 
uh, factors. It, it brings together uh, issues around food, food security in the north, uh, issues around climate change, issues around food sovereignty for Indigenous people, um, and, and issues around uh, the, the deprivation that, that's being experienced. And it's, it's when you looked at the map that was developed, we realized, uh, especially when the map illustrated which communities are vulnerable or will be more vulnerable to the impacts of climate change in a large part because it illustrated who is really um, the length of winter roads and, and with uh, each uh, degree warmer it gets, those winter roads, uh, the, the usability reduces or they, they become less available. That winter road access is a lifeline for many of those communities in order to access basic services. So we're at risk here. And when you combine the effects of, of the decreasing incomes and the, the, the extensive poverty, we've, we've got an issue that, that needs real, real uh, attention sooner and, and urgently. Um, and the great thing about the map like that or an app like that is it helps us bring together other external partners, other organizations. Um, so Food Banks Canada is one national food organization, but there are others which also bring food up to the north, like Breakfast Clubs of Canada. Um, there's, there's Second Harvest. There's uh, Community Food Centers Canada. Everyone has different mandates and missions. However, an issue like this shows us how we can come together and work together to bring resources to these communities and, and help address the issue, at least in an immediate uh, manner. And then at the very least, bring attention to the long-term um, challenges that are gonna be faced and, and what we can all do about it, working in partnership with indigenous communities. How mm -hmm. about on the operational side? There's two parts of information we can collect. So the, the geospatial information on one hand can help us um, show where which organizations are located where uh, based on certain factors. For instance, there's, um, there was some public information around where their closest abattoirs. And in many, in many cases, food banks that are located near those abattoirs are able to get various meat pro products uh, from, the, from those areas. I think a big thing for us, um, however, is we would also, in combination with information that we're collecting from the network around their capacity. So ideally, as we want to know what the organization's capacity is for, um, their, their food storage capacity, frozen food storage capacity, transportation capacity, uh, looking at each individual organization and then mapping that out against the distance from, let's say, the closest suppliers. That is a goal. And um, being able to do that would really help a, go a long way from an operational lens to help supply organizations, not only with the, with the uh, types of resources they need, but also help supply them with the infrastructure they need for which to take receive those resources because that's also key is being able to um, it's one thing to collect the food to be able to adequately store it and, and in a way that's safe and keeps the food at a proper temperature that's the next aspect and um, as we imagine that's one of the biggest limitations of, of the network in many cases is, is, is the ability to store the food and that's one of the big roles we play at the national level is to provide the infrastructure with which to do that if any of our audience is interested in helping out those who are in need what would you say to them what's the best way to help oh uh, definitely they they can volunteer for sure so they look look to see where the local food bank is because there's every community has a food bank so check check out to see where the local where the local food bank is in your community and help it in any way you can whether it's uh donations food funds or time 
um, there's there's a large uh, trend right now of, of uh, volunteers. Many of them are longstanding volunteers in the network, and they're the backbone of the food bank network. They're retiring, um, and they're having a hard time uh, just uh, keeping up with the demand. And it's it's great to have uh, more and more people stepping in to help. So that's another aspect. So food fund time, food funds, and time is a big aspect. And uh, of course, continued advocacy. So contact your local electoral representative and ask them what you're doing um, to address uh, the issues of poverty and hunger in, in your community. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of Our podcast. And thanks to Food Banks Canada and Richard Matern for helping us understand how data and technology can be applied to address food scarcity. If you like this episode, please share it with a colleague.